Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Do you want rest? Today, my friends, I think we see an example of this, perhaps even unexpectedly, in our readings in Acts and Ruth. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, which is part of our journey together where we commit together to reading through every word of God's revelation of himself Monday through Saturday and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. My friends, God's providence is clearly at work behind the scenes in this part of the narrative that we're in in the book of Acts, right? Paul might seem to be some passive pawn, uh, you know, in this set of characters and events um, that are outside of his control. But God, of course, is the hidden director of events. And despite human injustice and veniality and enmity, God's promise regarding Paul will be fulfilled. We read it earlier in the book of Acts. This is the guy chosen as my instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. We're going to dive in and read today. we got a bit of reading to get through, but happy Saturday. Hope to tie it all together with this theme of rest by the time we get to the end. Acts chapter 25. Three days after Festus arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. The chief priests and the leaders of the Jews presented their case against Paul to him, and they appealed, asking for a favor against Paul, that Festus summon him to Jerusalem. They were, in fact, preparing an ambush along the road to kill him. Festus, however, answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself was about to go there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those of you who have authority go down with me and accuse him, if he has done anything wrong. When he had spent not more than eight or ten days among them, he went down to Caesarea. The next day, seated at the tribunal, he commanded Paul to be brought in. When Paul arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him and brought many serious charges that they were not able to prove. Then Paul made his defense. Neither against the Jewish law, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I sinned in any way. But Festus, Wanting to do the Jews a favor, replied to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem to be tried before me there on these charges? Paul replied, I am standing at Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as even you you yourself know very well. If then I did anything wrong and am deserving of death, I am not trying to escape death. But if there is nothing to what these men accuse me of, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. And then Festus conferred with his counsel and replied, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you will go. Several days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea and paid a courtesy call on Festus. Since they were staying there several days, Festus presented Paul's case to the king, saying, There's a man who, has, who was left as a prisoner by Phoenix. 
When I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews presented their case and asked that he be condemned. I answered them that it is not the Roman custom to give someone up before the accused faces the accusers and has an opportunity for a defense against the charges. So when they had assembled there, I did not delay. The next day I took my seat at the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought in, and the accusers stood up, but no but brought no charge against him of the evils I was expecting. Instead, they had some disagreements with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus, a dead man, Paul claimed to be alive. Since I was at a loss in a dispute over such things, I asked him if he wanted to go up to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding these matters. But when Paul appealed to be held for trial by the emperor, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I could send him to Caesar. Agrippa said to Festus, I'd like to hear the man myself. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the auditorium with the military commanders and prominent men of the city. When Festus gave the command, Paul was brought in, and then Festus said, King Agrippa and all men present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has appealed to me concerning him, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he should not live any longer. I found that he had not done anything deserving of death, but when he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after this examination is over, I may have something to write. For it seems unreasonable to me to send a prisoner without indicating the charges against him. And that is Acts chapter 25. My friends, Paul is protected not because he is St. Paul, right? Uh, Someone special, but because he is a chosen instrument with a special task that he has yet to complete. But I want you to remember this as we turn to the book of Ruth. St. Augustine of Hippo put it this way. He says, you have created us for yourself and our heart cannot be stilled until it finds rest in you. What did Paul exhibit? Right? Remember Paul said, hey, be imitators of me. What did he exhibit? Well, he knows who he is and what his mission is. And uh, even in times of angst, we've just seen him have the courage, I think, that can only come from the Holy Spirit. That, my friends, is one element of rest. It's not Rest as in sit on my butt on a beach. It's rest as in peace in my spirit. If we look at the book of Ruth that we started yesterday, the primary theme is how to serve the Lord with all our strength. And a secondary theme is, is in a sense, the predestination of the coming Davidic lineage and the kingdom of Israel as a means of Israel's redemption. But a, a key, another key theme is uh, reveals how we are to reflect the image of Christ by obeying, uh, in a sense, the message of Ruth, in which we are to enter into a place of rest while serving the Lord by placing our trust in the coming Redeemer, or in our case, the one who has already come and will come again, right? So as we heard yesterday, uh, Boaz has taken responsibility at this time, at this point 
informally for Ruth and Naomi fed them, right, and offered protection. Boaz, at this point, however, is not the one who is legally obligated. It is a choice, meaning it cost him something to do that. Ruth, chapter 3, and finishing on out. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Hmm, check that out. What, 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 what was that rest? As in, in that context, of course, it was marriage, but it was more. It was provision and protection. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Now, isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfumed oil, and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor and don't let the man know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz ate and drank and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley, and she came in secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turning over, and there was at his feet a woman. So he asked, Who are you? I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Then he said, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Now, don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning. If he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. And then Boaz said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth, Bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl, and she went into the town. She went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who asked her, What happened, my daughter? And then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her, and she said, He gave me these six measures of barley because he said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, My daughter, wait until you find out how these things go for he won't rest until he resolves this today. Boaz went to the gate of the town and sat down there. Soon the family redeemer Boaz had spoken about came by, and Boaz said, Come over here and sit down. So we went over there and sat down, and then Boaz took ten of the men of the town's elders, and he said, Sit here. And they sat down. He said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the territory of Moab, is selling the portion of the field that belongs to her brother, to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you, saying, Buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do it. But if you do not want to redeem it, 
Tell me so that I will know, because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it, and I am next after you. I want to redeem it, he answered. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from Naomi, you will acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the deceased man, to perpetuate the man's name on his property. And And then the Redeemer replied, I can't redeem it myself, or I will ruin my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption, because I can't redeem it. At an earlier period in Israel, a man removed his sandal and gave it to the other party in order to make any matter legally binding concerning the right of redemption or the exchange of property. This was the method of legally binding a transaction in Israel. So the Redeemer removed his sandal and said to Boaz, Buy back the property yourself. Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I am buying from Naomi everything that belonged to Elimelech, Shelion, and Machlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Machlon's widow, as my wife, to perpetuate the deceased man's name on his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his relatives or from the gate of his hometown. You are witnesses today. All the people who were at the city gate, including the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is entering your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel. May you be powerful in Ephrathah, and your name be well known in Bethlehem. May your house become like the house of Perez, the son Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. He slept with her, and the Lord granted conception to her, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you is and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap, and became a mother to him. The neighbor women said, A son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. And his, he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the family records of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. And thus, my friends... A foreign woman enters into the lineage of Jesus. Of course, that wraps up the book of Ruth there, my friends. And um, I'm just going to leave it right there. As we have a longer psalm for our wisdom segment today, it's a psalm of David, probably appropriate. But it's, it's a psalm about personal spiritual conflict so as i often do let's let's pray this together and uh, and again it's a little bit longer but i'm hoping that the holy spirit here will just illuminate in your heart the way that rest um might be part of your life it doesn't always mean rest from labor 
I think it can mean the rest from the pain of labor. Yes, this does not, I'm not saying we don't take a Sabbath and rest from our labor labor, but I hope you know what I mean. There is an inner peace that happens when we rest in the Lord. Psalm 37. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice shine like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there, but the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. The wicked person schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him because he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and strung the bow to bring down the poor and needy and to slaughter those whose way is upright. Their swords will enter their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. The little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many wicked people, for the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. The Lord watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. They will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies, like the glory of the pastures, will fade away. They will fade away like smoke. The wicked person borrows and does not repay, but the righteous one is gracious and giving. Those who are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be destroyed. A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed, because the Lord supports him with his hand. I have been young and, and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. He is always generous, always lending, and his children are a blessing. Turn away from evil. Do what is good and settle permanently. For the Lord loves justice and will not abandon his faithful ones. They are kept safe forever, but the children of the wicked will be destroyed. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it permanently. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart. His steps do not falter. The wicked one lies in wait for the righteous and intends to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in the power of the wicked one or allow him to be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. 
and he will exalt you to inherit the land, and you will watch when the wicked are destroyed. I have seen a wicked, violent person, well-rooted and flourishing like native, a native tree. And then I passed by and noticed he was gone. I searched for him, but he could not be found. Watch the blameless and observe the upright. For the person of peace will have a future. But the transgressors will all be eliminated. The future of the wicked will be destroyed. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. The refuge in their time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and save them. But they take refuge in him. My friends, I leave you with a thought from the book of Revelation, and I'm just going to kind of pray it. We hear the voice of heaven saying, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord henceforth, that they may rest from their labors. My friends, there is an element of rest in the now, but it is ultimately in the eternal, which will dwarf this life's good and bad to insignificance. I love you. Happy Saturday. Amen. Amen.